Now that the dust has settled, we're recapping Kevin O'Connell's debut performance versus the Packers and going across the NFL at the most mind-boggling stats and facts from week one. It's all coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. CARE 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you're going to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stitch. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with superior sports talk. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota, your daily 30-minute breakdown, everything Minnesota sports, which, by the way, you can now find streaming on your Roku and Amazon Fire Stick devices, so be sure to look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Reggie Wilson on Twitter, at TV and Care 11. Reg, week one, officially in the books. The dust is settled. There's still plenty to discuss, though, about the Vikings' 23-7 win over the Packers, plus all the drama that took place across the NFL. Yeah, man. Uh... Week one was wacky. That was chaotic. Wild. I tweeted last night. It was wild. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Yeah, run it back. Well, yeah. Hey, before we get into all that, remember, follow along Locked On Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button and on Twitter, give us a follow at Locked On MIN. Remember, podcast too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. Tons of great choices over there. You got the Ron Johnson show, the football party, and more. Your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Do us a favor, hit the subscribe button and drop us a five-star review. All right. To football we go, and your Minnesota Vikings sit here today, tied for first place in the NFC North with who else? The Chicago Bears, Reds, just like we all <laughs> predicted. I said that all offseason. Watch out for those Bears. Now, Reds, it's so easy to overreact to week one. We do it every year, and I get it. It's the only thing we have to go off of. So, yeah. We're going to pick and prod. We're going to dissect every little facet of every game because it's our job. But at the end of the day, one thing I think fans can feel really good about looking ahead towards the future is Kevin O'Connell running the show and calling the plays for this Vikings team. He was prepared. The stage wasn't too big for him. He checked all the boxes you wanted to see for a first-time head coach. And most importantly for me, from a philosophy and playbook standpoint, he just fits the new school and wave of the NFL in this pass first, run up the score, shoot him out kind of league. Yeah, he had a great feel for the game too. Mm -hmm. You know, especially being a, a first-time play caller as well. Like, it didn't seem to phase him. Like, he had just the right things that he called at just the right circumstances in the game. And so... That was something that you saw, especially, you know, looking at some of the decisions last night in that Monday night football game with Nathaniel Hackett, you know, coming over from Green Bay as the Broncos head coach. Some of those decisions last night, you're like, what is he doing? He's just, and you know, head coaches have their growing pains and, you know, Kevin O'Connell is going to be no different. But I think what you like to see is that a coach has the resilience to, you know, kind of bounce back from maybe some bad decisions or things like that. And I think that Kevin O'Connell is wired differently. Like he has the temperament, you know, he was a quarterback, you know, so that he has that going for him. You know, usually quarterbacks have a great feel of the game. 
And he kind of exhibited, you know, kind of a, a mastery of, you know, his feel of how to kind of pick his spots, when to do things, when to not. I thought it was interesting. You know, we talked about it, you know, 158 yards in the first half for Justin Jefferson. You know, he finished with 184. But that's mostly because, like, Kevin O'Connell decided in the second half, like, look, we got the lead. It's time to ride Dalvin. Let our Cadillac run smooth. We just changed the oil. You know, we just got some new tires put on that thing. So let's ride. Let, let's ride Dalvin out. And he really kind of, you know, put the ball in Dalvin's hands in the second half and and really allowed him to do what he does. And that just showed a lot of, of I don't know, it's like a, a coach beyond his years. Like, it is only week one. We can overreact as much as we want, I guess, because that's that's all we can do. Um, and we got a little bit longer to overreact now because they have to wait until Monday night to play, and it, which is kind of weird. You got two games on on Monday. Usually they do the two game doubleheader thing on the first week, but they're doing it on the second week. So not only do we have to wait, you know, until Monday, we have to wait until the second game in that doubleheader on ESPN, which is annoying. But anyway, we, we got a bunch of time to just dissect this team until we get to that second game. But I think so far, so good for KLC. Yeah, no, I've said it on here before, but when I was a kid, like I just didn't get how important coaching was. I thought if you had a freak like Barry Sanders or Randy Moss, you just chuck it up to 84, 20 times a game, easy. But then mm -hmm. sometime around that Patriots dynasty run with Bill Belichick, especially early on when they would go in as the underdog time and time again in some of those big games, it just really mm -hmm. clicked. The head coach truly is the catalyst to the whole operation sets the tone and the vibe for the entire team and an organization as a whole. And it doesn't always matter what type of talent you have. Heck, going back to Moss, super freak. How many pit stops did Moss have along the way in his career where he kind of fizzed mm -hmm. out? Tennessee Titans, Oakland Raiders, San Francisco right at the end. Talent is great, but coaching is just so vital in the NFL right now in today's day and age. And we're seeing it all across the league. And I think the Vikings, they didn't just go out and get a big buzz name from the McVay tree, but they got their guy. Hashtag GGYG. Mm -hmm. Go get your guys. KOC <laughs> is a coach that fits exactly how this team is built with their strength. A veteran quarterback, highly accurate and efficient, doesn't turn the ball over, superstars to get the ball to like J.J. and Dalvin, and matches how they want to play football moving forward, not just next week in Philly or in 2022, but just long-term in years moving forward in hopes of building that Super Bowl window sooner than later. I also just real quick got to say, about this whole thing, remember when Rick Spielman came out and was asked about Zimmer and Cousins? And at the time, things felt rocky, but in reality, like we had no idea actually how bad things were behind the scenes. But he came out and said, I think the number one thing you're looking for is that head coach has to have a good relationship with that quarterback. And can a defensive head coach connect with that offensive quarterback? When he said it, it made sense, like on paper. But as time has gone on, you just really realize how true of a statement that is, not just in Minnesota, but all across the NFL. And you see mm -hmm. just how far the Vikings organization has come, even just after one game, going from Zimmer, who hated Kirk, want nothing to do with him. Remember, <laughs> he wanted Teddy back. He would have traded a first-rounder for Teddy in a heartbeat. But going to K. 
AOC and Kirk's relationship that we're seeing now, just how pivotal it's been for the resurgence and just kind of moral of this team. So props to KOC on his first victory, just the fifth Vikings head coach to win his first game. No sweeter to get it against Rodgers and the Packers, that's for sure. Looking forward to watching. I think just this marriage of KOC and Kirk Cousins just continue to blossom now as time goes on. All right, moving on. It's Tuesday, baby. That means our old weekly tradition is back. We're checking in on ESPN's latest power rankings. And check this out, Reg. Your Minnesota Vikings catapult from 23 all the way to number 10. Poof, just like that. The article highlights one rookie from each team that kind of stuck out Sunday. Keep it in mind, mm -hmm. Vikings had no Lewis scene. Andrew Booth Jr. got dinged up after like two special teams plays. Asamoah didn't play outside of special teams much. So Ed Ingram got the spotlight in the article. And it notes he was tremendous in run blocking, paving holes like an absolute bully. A lot of fun to watch. It did note he did struggle in the passing game. Kenny Clark, though, what are you going to do? Legit top five, maybe even top three nose tackle in the league. So we'll give Ingram a pass there. Get your welcome to the NFL rookie moments out of the way early. Thoughts on the power rankings, though, and the Vikings soaring 13 spots all the way into the top 10. I think it makes sense to me just because when we got the season going, there was just a lot of nervous energy, I felt like, even with Kevin O'Connell. And... I think it was interesting to note how the Vikings were valued before the season started because they had so much talent, all these pieces that you're not really sure how they're going to fit together. You know, first-time head coach pulling the strings. How is he going to do this thing? There were so many unknowns. But I think after the first game, you can kind of see the vision a little bit. You can kind of see like, oh, okay, like, you know, maybe Kwesi and KLC knew what they were doing. Okay, uh, we, we can rock with this. And, you know, they came out, had a great showing, took it to one of, you know, the, the best teams in football last season, expected to be a, a great team again this season. And I think that was something that you saw that made you encouraged about what this Vikings team could be. And I think that's why it reflects that they jumped 13 spots from 23 to 10 because people were like, oh, man, like the Vikings look good. Like, you know, maybe Michael Irvin was right. Maybe Kyle Brandt was right. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe we got some MVP type stuff going on with Kirk Cousins and, you know, this, this defense looks legit. And Justin Jefferson looks like, you know, he's going to top Cooper Cup's numbers from last year. Like, this team looks like, that team, like maybe, maybe this team can do some things. And I think that's what, you know, on this overreaction now Tuesday after, you know, the showing from, from Sunday and just kind of feeling like the Vikings still didn't like put all their cookies out there, you know, like they, they save some, they, they're like, yeah, oh. KOC's got some tricks up his sleeve still for yeah. sure. Right. Yeah, it's like, you know, they, they went to the state fair and they didn't get the bucket of cookies. They got the cone. You know, they're like, look, we're going to get the cone. You know, this is sufficient. You know, this will do. But like pretty soon you, you hope to see, especially as you kind of get towards more of the competition, like, you know, when they go to Buffalo and, you know, when they play mm -hmm. New England and, you know, some of these, you know, tougher 
opponents and maybe even starting in Philly uh, this upcoming week as well. Like you, you want to see like, okay, yeah, maybe they, maybe they put that whole bucket of cookies out there. Like, you know, it's time to eat, you know, get some cold milk with it and just kind of show, you know, what they can do. Yeah, I think you said it beautifully yesterday. It was like, we all had optimism on paper. Maybe we were drinking the purple Kool-Aid, take the purple sunglasses off, but it was like, on paper, yeah. a lot of potential, right? We were very optimistic. But then we'd look at all these national experts, and it was like, doesn't 23 seem really low for the Vikings? Doesn't 18 seem really low for their wide receiver core, or whatever the ranking may be? We just didn't know what to expect going in, especially week one, but just 2022 as a whole. You just had no idea what to expect. Packers drop from six to eight in the power rankings. Bears stay at 25, even after an upset win versus the Niners. Nobody still trusts the Bears quite yet. And the Lions drop from 26 to 27. Vikes get to enjoy this win for an extra day as they gear up for a primetime showdown in Philadelphia versus the Eagles Monday night next week. Rest assured, Reggie and I will be here all week to break all of it down. Plenty more Vikings and NFL talk to get into. Next, we're talking about how the Minnesota Twins team will be remembered when we look back on 2022. But first... With their win over the Packers, the Vikings jumped to fourth best odds in the NFC to get to the Super Bowl. You can check those odds out and more with BetOnline. BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, and info, you want it, they got it. BetOnline makes betting easy and is your number one source for all those betting needs. Go to BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net. It's where the game starts. And remember, when you subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron talk football every day in the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives you a sports anchor's perspective right here on Superior Sports Talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Lockdown Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a five-star review or find our videos on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel hit the subscribe button and leave us a comment let us know what you think all right to baseball we go twins with the day off yesterday they start the three-game series with the royals tonight before taking on the guardians in cleveland for five straight twins absolute do or die territory now cleveland beat the anaheim angels last night five to four so they go up five games on the twins in the al central and when we look back at all this remember low expectations coming into the season dead last in the division 2021 then they go sign carlos correa give you a little bit of hope and excitement and right from the get-go uh, it's kind of been a roller coaster. Hot for the first two months. Tease us a while there, kind of controlling a soft division. They make all the trades after blowing so many late-inning leads there at the deadline. How will you remember this team when you look back a year or two from now, Reg? Like, what's always going to stick out to you when you reassess this team 2022 season? One that was loaded with potential, despite starting out with fairly low expectations heading in. Fairly low expectations maybe for some people, but I think after they, you know, took the big swing on Carlos Correa, you know, they grabbed Sonny Gray, you know, I think that was a lot of um, the excitement that was around this team headed into the season, which had the Twins declare before the season that they had playoff and slash championship expectations for this team. And I think if you look back on this season, especially if they don't make it into the playoffs, 
I think you are just disappointed. That that's one one takeaway from 2022 is just disappointment. You grab Carlos Correa, sign him to that big money deal, and you know he could have been better this year. Like you know, there are times where you expect him to be that dude. You know, especially with what they invested in him and and you know his pedigree you know coming over from Houston having won a world series i think you, you kind of look at the season at, at disappointment because most of the season they had the lead in the division and then all of a sudden they fizzle down the stretch they give you a little reason for optimism a little hope you know like especially if they come out and and sweep the royals this week you're just like oh man they're in good position going up against the guardians if they can win that series like they're right back in it but then you know the ebb and flows of these last what two months have just been brutal and you don't really know how to explain it you don't really know how to you know understand it they had some bullpen miscues this season they went and got a a few arms to kind of help that situation still didn't really help in certain circumstances and so you kind of just look back at the season, you know, with disappointment that this team had so much potential but didn't necessarily reach it consistently. I think after they signed Correa, there certainly was a lot more excitement and and higher expectations. When you looked at all the experts and predictions going into the season, I don't think many people had the Twins winning the division. It was all White Sox, Chicago, 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 maybe Cleveland. And then the Twins were kind of in that mix, but in that second tier for sure. So I think just not taking advantage of house money, playing better Mm -hmm. than a lot of people thought they would, and then playing in such a soft division and not taking advantage, that's what I'm going to look back on saying kind of had house money here in 2022 you could have made a run you could have took advantage of this soft division Cleveland and Chicago underplayed this season compared to expectations at least Chicago did for sure and you just didn't take advantage of those opportunities certainly hopefully for a young squad just in general uh, certainly some growing pains but growing moments and I'm very interested to see and we'll talk about this tomorrow what happens with Rocco Baldelli moving into this offseason certainly some have said he should be on the hot seat some say no absolutely not his fault we'll get into it more tomorrow for sure but Rocco Baldelli certainly will be a topic of conversation I think moving forward into the offseason for the twins Joe Ryan on the mound tonight twins need to take this thing one game at a time first pitch 6 40 p.m central standard time back tomorrow to break it all down all right Time has come. Favorite segments here called What Does It Mean? You know it. I love it. Let's just jump right in. What does it mean? First one up. The NFL put together some wild and dramatic action across the board in week one. Among them, some of the craziest stats and facts produced were these. The Cleveland Browns won their first season opener since 2004, snapping their 17-year losing streak in week one, holding the current NFL record. Tom Brady has still never lost to the Dallas Cowboys, now a perfect 7-0 after Sunday night football. Can you believe that? Good Lord. Thanks to the Dolphins win over New England. Tua is now 4-0 all-time against Bill Belichick, which makes him one of only two quarterbacks in NFL history who has played against Belichick at least four times and won every game, the other being John Elway. No big deal. He was kind of good. And the last one, Devontae Adams outplayed the Green Bay Packers. Adams actually had more receiving yardage than every receiver on the Packers roster combined on Sunday. Reggie, lot to throw at you, but what does it mean when it comes to the most mind-boggling staff from week one? 
one of those four choices I just gave you. You know, having watched the Green Bay Packers on Sunday, like the whole Devontae Adams thing, like it seemed nonsensical when they did it. And then when you see how the team looked post Devontae Adams, you're just like, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? Like, it's brutal, man. And look, we keep talking about it. But if Christian Watson catches that pass. That's true. If he catches that pass. Whole thing's different. At the start. 75-yard mm-hmm. touchdown. Like, things are different. You know, that pass gives you some confidence. That pass gives Aaron Rodgers some confidence. And maybe that game turns out a little bit differently than it did. But. What happened, happened. And now, mm-hmm. you know, we saw what, what happened, you know, on the back end. You know, I, I think Romeo Dobbs is going to be fine. I think Christian Watson, you know, ultimately is going to be fine. They're going to figure some things out. But, man, just one week sample size, you're like, dang, man, they shouldn't have traded away Devontae Adams. Like, you you know, Sammy Watkins is a admirable, you know, fill in but at this point in his career he's a he's a number two number three guy he's not like a a number one guy I know he has a lot to prove you know several seasons ending an injury and all that stuff and he hasn't been able to stay healthy but you replace a top flight receiver in Devontae Adams with a guy like Sammy Watkins and that's not necessarily the same I think week one was just so ridiculously chaotic None of the stats that you listed really, really like boggled the mind that much because it was that chaotic. You know, even looking at that Bengal Steelers game, how Burrow turned it over five times, got sacked seven times, and they still had a chance to win it right there at the end, had multiple chances to win that football game. Like, what a chaotic week one. You got a tie down in Houston, you know, like. What is going on? Like I said, Cleveland and the Panthers go down to the wire. I mean, Washington, Jacksonville went down to the wire. I mean, all these games were absolutely wild. Roger Goodell just sitting there in his den counting his money, man. He's loving it. (laughs) He's loving the drama. That's hilarious. (laughs) Back to the Devontae real quick. He had 17 targets. 10 catches, buck 41. I remember last year watching the Raiders on Sunday night or Monday night football. Week one, Darren Waller had like 22 targets. He got like 14 passes. After that, teams forced and switched their coverage and doubled Waller the rest of the season. He never had a 10-catch game the rest of the season. I'm wondering what Devontae Adams does moving forward here. Now, obviously, the talent's there. You still got to double or triple cover him. That means everybody else is going to get a little bit more open. But I'm expecting guys Mm -hmm. like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller to step up a little bit more and Devontae Adams and a lot of these week one performances that blew up to kind of come back down to earth come back down to the mean a little bit as teams start to see this film now that teams have put out after week one and start to adjust their game plans a little bit for me though Tua Tagaloa going 4-0 against Bill Belichick that's mind-boggling because I don't think Tua Tagaloa is anything super special not like a blue chip like a Joe Burrow or Lamar and Bill Belichick I think he's one of the best X's and O's coaches the NFL has ever seen. So for him to go 4-0, especially with that Dolphins team last year and the year prior, that one blows my mind. I, I Absolutely, out of all four of those, I can't believe that. All right, next one up. It's only natural, the NFL 
always collects a plethora of injuries throughout the football season. It's an unfortunate part of the game, as we know. But what does it mean when it comes to which big-name injury is going to have the biggest impact on their team's 2022 success? I'll rip off a couple of the big ones here. 49ers running back Elijah Mitchell. He's out four to eight weeks with a knee injury. Steelers All-Pro, Defensive Player of the Year. T.J. Watt is out indefinitely with a pec injury. He could be back in the next few seasons, or the team could elect for season-ending surgery. We'll find Find out over the next few days. Cowboys, Dak Prescott successfully had surgery on his hand and will miss the next six to eight weeks. The Jets already lost Makai Becton for the season. Now they just lost tackle Dwayne Brown with a shoulder injury. Last one, Bucks lost not one, but two key names on the offensive side of the ball. Chris Godwin and tackle Donovan Smith. Still waiting to hear word on the severity of those injuries. Not sure as of now, but if either one of those big names were to go down, that's certainly going to hurt Tom Brady. Which one of those jumps out to you that that team's going to face over these next few weeks? With the Bucs, I think they rushed Chris Godwin back. Like, I think Brady it has like more than enough weapons that mm -hmm. it's fine. Like, just, you know, maybe even sit Godwin the first four weeks and, and it'll be fine. You know, when you rush back from these ACL injuries, you do have some of these soft tissue slash, you know, muscle injuries that we've seen like that hamstring injury. But if I'm talking about the most significant, I think one and two – it's got to be Dak and then TJ. When you look at how TJ Watt wrecked that game against the Bengals, like the dude legitimately wrecked that game. You know, he like created all kinds of havoc, you know, intercepting a pass, you know, blowing up the running back, all these tip passes at the line. Like the dude is a one of one. Like TJ Watt is remarkable. But it's a quarterback league. Dak Prescott, how unfortunate is it that he just continues to suffer these injuries, man? It kind of feels like Tony Romo 2.0, doesn't it? It like, does. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah, now all of a sudden you're relying on these backups that, you know, Cooper Rush played well against Minnesota, but, you know, a lot of teams played well against Minnesota <laughs> last year. So, like, not really expecting him to just light it up out there. So – they're, I think the Cowboys are done. Like, they're pretty much like a lost cause. Six to eight weeks, the NFC East is always usually a division that, you know, comes down to the wire. You know, no team really runs away with it. But I think six to eight weeks is even too much to overcome for that. Like, even if that comes back and all of a sudden he's, like, setting the world on fire, like, if you went, like, two and six or one and seven – or something like that, like to start these this stretch without Dak, like that's going to be a problem. And like to lose your quarterback on week one, like that's rough. Come on, that's man. Rough. Without a doubt. I mean, if you're the Cowboys, if you're Jerry Jones, you're a Cowboys fan. I mean, at most, at best, you got to be hoping for 500. You go 500 with Cooper Rush, and then Dak comes back and you go on a run. Obviously, every game is going to be super pivotal, though, for sure. Kind of circling back to the Vikings, they skated out of that first week without any big-name injuries. We know Andrew Booth Jr. were kind of all waiting to hear what's going on. I think it was a hamstring, maybe a quad injury. Hopefully, he's not out too long. A Caleb Evans is going to have to step in. 
Shandon Sullivan had a good game, but a lot more pressure on these cornerbacks now as far as the depth goes. We know in the NFL you need three, if not four, good cornerbacks. And Lewis Seen is supposed to be back and get his debut on Monday Night Football against Philadelphia as well. He was out last week, but he's supposed to be back. Nothing too long-term or too serious there. All right, that's a wrap today. Back tomorrow, breaking down more Twins, Vikings, and plenty more. Remember, you got to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast too, free and available on all platforms. Subscribe, drop us a five-star review, and take us everywhere on the go. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter, at TV. You can check him out every night on CARE 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today.